Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. This being a seasonal time, I arranged uh, our messages about the heaven being opened. Last week, I should have started with this one, but knowing that it would fit in more seasonal this week, I want to talk about the heaven being opened again, and and I just really, I really had some good feeling about what we did last week, and heaven was opened, and the baptism time of Jesus Christ, and all those things that were done, fabulous, fabulous. But I want to look at it again in another manifestation. So if you go with me to the book of Isaiah, we'll be reading out of Isaiah 7th chapter, 14th verse. The 7th chapter, book of Isaiah, 14th verse. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The Lord himself is going to give a sign. I like that part. That God is going to step into this thing. This is not just going to be done by men. First chapter of the book of John, he says, this isn't done by the will of men. It's not done by the religious efforts of men. This thing is done by the power of God himself. If you go with me to the book of Matthew, and we're going to read just a, well, some scriptures in Matthew, and, and uh, excuse me, go to the book of Luke first. I want to go to Luke first, and then we'll go back to Matthew, the first chapter. Go to Luke, the first chapter. And read, uh, beginning at the 26th verse, and we will read down a little bit. This is the story. And, and so uh, we'll try and uh, press through this and then go into Matthew and read just a little bit. In the sixth month, in the first, chap- first chapter of Luke 26, verse, in the sixth month, the angel of Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth <clears throat> to a virgin. Everybody say Virgin who had been betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. It says Mary here. Actually, the Greek word is Mariam. The uh, Latin people shortened it up for us, Mary. Um, Verse 28. And entering, the angel said, Hail, one having received grace, the Lord is with you. You are blessed among women. women." And seeing this, she was disturbed at his word, considering what kind of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not fear, Mary, for you have found favor from God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. This one will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And it's of his kingdom, there will be no end. Taking that out of the book of Isaiah. 
But Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I do not know a man? And answering, the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for this reason, that Holy One being born of you will be called Son of God. And behold, your kinsman, uh, kinswoman Elizabeth, she also conceived a son in her own age. And this is the sixth month of her, to her who was called barren. Verse 37, for nothing shall be impossible with God, can the church say amen? And Mary said, Behold the servant of the Lord. May it be unto me according to your word. That's so powerful that she said that. That's just a powerful, powerful thing. Can you go with me back to the book of Matthew then? And let's look at this. That was from Mary's side, from Mary's view. The book of Matthew is going to be from Joseph's view. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but the 18th verse, first chapter of Matthew, and now the birth of Jesus was this way. For his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was discovered to be pregnant in the womb by the Holy Spirit. And so in chronological order, you would have to read uh, Luke first, and then this steps in after something has already happened. But her husband Joseph, being just and not willing to make her a public example, he proposed to put her away secretly. And as he was thinking about these things, behold, the angel of the Lord was seen by him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that in her is fathered by the Holy Spirit. Wow. And she shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this happens so that it might be fulfilled that spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold... A virgin will conceive in her womb and will bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which translated is God with us. God with us. God. Lord, we just ask you now at the reading of your word, and all of us in this building have probably read this and heard this so many times. But there's something so good here. There's something always fresh and new. You always give new, fresh manna. Every day they went out and picked it up. And you said, don't hold it over. I've got new, fresh manna for you. Even though it was of the same sort, yet it was fresh and new. And so your word, even though we've heard it before, maybe a hundred times we've heard it, yet you have something so new and so fresh and so refreshing to our spirit. And we ask you, O oh God, that at your word, our lives would be lightened. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to work on the conception part this morning of Jesus. And because I believe that rather than the birth time, we want to talk about the conception time. And if you haven't been here in this church during the seasonal holidays, you probably haven't heard this. But if you have, 
been here. You have heard it. And a good thing, you're going to hear it again this morning. So you just put it, you know, and just, just write in the folder with everything else. It's going to be wonderful. But we want to talk about the conception of Jesus. And so we're going to talk about the heaven was open, and we're going to talk about conception of Jesus. Because of the timing of this and where we're at, I told Kay the other day, and I believe this, Jesus is the reason for this season. Jesus is the reason for the season. However, it's not time to celebrate his birth. It's time to celebrate his conception. (laughs) Where did we get the 25th of December? Where did we get that? Well, I don't know. My preacher told me. And grandma told me, and that's what we've always done. It's, it's 25th December, that's the birth of the Lord. Well, where did they get that from? They didn't get it out of the Bible. They got it out of church councils and Constantine. They went out of the council of Nice. They said this, we're going to celebrate the 25th of December, which was their solstice. We're going to bring that together and celebrate that day as the birth of Jesus. Now, I don't know how, how did they even get there. I don't know. Because the scripture doesn't indicate anything like that at all, whatsoever. I always like to talk about this. The shepherds were in the field at night keeping their sheep when Jesus was born. I came out this morning to feed the cows. It was so cold I could hardly take it. I don't know if the shepherds could live through that. Not only that. Your sheep aren't out in the, in, the, in the field in the winter, in the storms, in the snow, in the rain. That's the sheep die. So they put them in shelters. But anyway, we'll move on from there. But how would you like your birthday to be celebrated nine months off? So now my birthday is February 25th, so we're going to celebrate. Let's celebrate it in September. Well, it's okay. You know, I was born. You know, it's a good thing. But I just, you know, it's, it's some kind of a, you know, it's, it, it's just traditional for us to celebrate our birthdays on the day we were born. Isn't that tradition? Somebody say amen. And uh, when you get older, that changes. You don't want any more celebration. And it's like I'm stopping right back there at, what is it, 37? And I'm just having, you know, just times to celebrate being 37. So if we celebrate Jesus' birthday at the wrong time, well, still it's a good thing we, we celebrate his birth. But I, there is sufficient proof in Scripture, and I think Pastor Rodney worked on this. Are you going to work on this tonight? He is going to work on this tonight, so I'm going to leave some of this for him. Just, just enough for you. You'll come back, all right? But, but um, the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles, three three feasts that was mandatory for every Jewish male to be present at Jerusalem for those three feasts. It was mandatory. They had a lot of other feasts, but those three, it was mandatory. Those had to do with the birth, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and so we, we, we understand the Passover and, and we understand the, the, the coming of Pentecost and, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the new church. But we've always wondered about 
the Feast of Tabernacles. Somebody said, well, it hasn't been fulfilled. The Feast of Tabernacles is at the end of time. And, and that's what I've always heard, that Feast of Tabernacles happens with rapture and some of that kind of stuff. I didn't, no, 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 everything, everything is fulfilled in Christ. Everything in Scripture is fulfilled in Christ. Let me say again so you understand. Everything in Scripture is fulfilled in Christ. Events and things, that's not the fulfilling of Scripture. It's Christ. So that we just read it, so that what the prophet said 800 years ago will come to pass in Christ. And, and, and so the Feast of Tabernacles, which, which happens in late September, which is going to line up perfectly, and sometimes October according to the Jewish calendar, but what we're going to understand is that, and I think he's going to talk about this tonight, that that the 25th of December, December really, 24th, 25th of December, was the conception of Jesus Christ, and nine months later, later at the Feast of Tabernacles, he was born. So I'm going to leave that there. Did I do okay? I'm stop, stop in time. <laughs> but this event of the conception of Jesus Christ, it was of such importance that it demanded divine intervention. This couldn't be just left up to chance. And the timing of this, it had to be done according to the will of God. It was, it was mandated that there was a heavenly intervention into the course of earthly humanity. And that's what I call this morning the heaven being open because men couldn't align this. Men couldn't put it on. Men couldn't make it come to pass. But the Lord in his wisdom, the Lord in his plan and purpose, and as we see looking back at this now, we know that the nations were aligned, that God put the Jewish occupation under Rome so that Rome could establish a king, Herod, who was an Idumean. He really was part Jew, part of the people of Esau. And God put rulers in place, and God put the Jewish system in place, and God put, he put those that claimed to be the high priest in place. And now the word of Daniel, 70 weeks. Daniel prophesied that the going forth of the command to rebuild Jerusalem again, 70 weeks to establish the entrance or the coming of the Messiah. And those 70 weeks were year weeks, 490 years from the prophecy, from the going forth of the proclamation to rebuild Jerusalem under Cyrus. You can trace it in history. You can trace Daniel's prophecy, and it's going to come to pass. Now it was upon them. Time was running out. God had set it up and purposed it, and now it was about to expire. The expiration date for the prophecy had just about expired. There was still just nine months left in the prophecy. 
And now God had set it up so that Nazareth was a player in this. Nazareth, the city of Nazareth. And a lot of people, we've gone over this. Let me just, just say it real quickly again. The, the city of Nazareth would really, that, that Hebrew word, Nazareth. The branch, and you can only find it in the the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah, where out of the branch of Jesse, out of the branch Nazareth, out of the town of Nazareth where David's kin had come back just 100 years prior now, they had been coming back into, after Jerusalem had been revealed, after the country had been restored, they were coming back and coming back. And 100 years before this time right here, David's line of kingship, they settled in this little town of Nazareth. And there's, there's, there, there's a plan of God here and, and a purpose of God here. It just wasn't happenstance. God set it up so that Isaiah, the 11th chapter, and the first verse would come to pass in Christ Jesus. If you stay around here very long, you understand that we've got one topic. We've got one purpose in preaching. There is just one real hero. There's just one mentor for us. There is just one that we look to. His name is Jesus. He is the fulfillment of everything that God began to do before there was a creation, before the foundation of the earth. There was a logos of God. There was a reasoning of God. There was a purpose of God. And that purpose was to bring Christ into the world. It was for his manifestation of who he was in the man Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? Salvation and survival of the human race is going to depend on these 35 years sandwiched between thousands of years prior. And here this morning, we can say looking back 2,000 years since, but there was this window of opportunity, this timing of God that, that the ages rolled on and And there was prophetic things that happened. There was a people of Israel. There was Abraham and going back and back. And God just began to set it in order for this little window to which he would bring everything to pass. 35 years is not much compared to the thousands of years. 35 years doesn't seem like, God, can you get it done in just that little period of time? But all God needs is just that window that he has prepared to pour out his revelation that's going to change. It's going to change everything that happened to him. It's going to change everything that happened after him because he will be glorified. Glorified in the ancient prophetic and glorified by his church in the future. Can you say amen? See, this was the grand design of God. Now, going to many churches, when I was being raised, um, we traveled. I was in a lot of Sunday school classes and, and heard a lot of different views and teachers and things. And there was a lot of view about this subject. And you almost felt like that the chosen people were, were the Jews. And uh, they failed. And so God did something. In fact, there's a song, you know, we, we used to sing and think about you know, years and years ago, just suppose God searched through heaven and couldn't find one willing to be the supreme sacrifice. 
that was needed. This sounds to me like a God who is unprepared. Like a God who does not know. He is not all-knowing. He is not all-powerful. But just suppose God's looking around searching for an answer because the Jews have failed. My friend, the Jews are there to set up the coming of Christ. The Jews are chosen to bring him in. The church is chosen to bring him out to the world. This is the design of God. This doesn't happen by chance that just, you know, it just, man, it just finally, just something happened around there and things came to pass. No, this is the grand design of God, the incarnation of the almighty, eternal God, Yahweh, the self-existing one would be birthed into the earth in a fleshly man whose name was Jesus Christ. As this begins to happen, it's just, it's timing. You, you know God does so many things by timing. You, and you begin to read the scripture in the New Testament, some of the things that he did. It, it's timing how he does things. And, and sometimes we pray for something to happen, and it's not time for that to happen in our life yet. And God's waiting a, a bit. God's, God's testing us a bit. He's showing us something different in our life a bit. And, and, and we're praying and we're, we're believing, but God's timing is perfect. How many knows that? I, I have witnessed that I wanted a thing to happen. I prayed about a thing to happen, and, and it didn't happen. But when God's timing was, it was so good. It was so much better. It was so much perfect than what I had planned and what I had put together. See, if this thing was done by man, we'd have had a whole bunch of mistakes in it. But there's no mistake in what God did. He laid it down, and whoever was going to be a part of it is a part of it. Whoever doesn't want to be a part, don't be a part. But what God has designed, his word has designed, it will come to pass every single time. There's never a time that his word does not come to pass. So this design now, we're beginning to see some things in the earth begin to happen now. Angels of God are showing up in places. I've never had that experience that I know of. But this thing that was going to happen was so important. I wonder about how important my life is. Does anybody else wonder about that a little bit? How important really am I? Do I have to go back to who do you think you are? You know, really, how important is our life? On the grand scale of everything that's going on, you know, are we making even an effect on the world, on the people we're around? Are we even affecting anything? You ever wonder about that? This is so fantastically important that the angels of God are going to begin to guide and help in the instruction of this. And if you've ever had an angelic visit, it is possible. These men in Scripture did. But this was so important. This had to be done exactly according to God's design. 
And so angels are showing up in various places with various people. And they begin to minister. And we read about some of that. The stars in the heaven are starting to respond in kind. This whole thing about the star standing over the the manger where he was. Everybody knows about the star standing over the manger. If you've ever been to a nativity scene, there is a star, right? And it's over the manger and... That whole star over the manger thing, what is that about? That didn't happen when he was born because the Magi started their travel way before and they saw this this interruption in the heaven. They saw something that was unusual. They were star studiers. And not in a weird way trying to make, you know, those strange things of, of, what what do they call it, all those little figures in it? Horoscope. They weren't horoscopists. No, no, that's no blessing to the Lord. And let those stay home. But bring on the Magi who, who are seeing something in the heaven and saying, man, God is moving heaven and earth to his design. This thing isn't happening. You can't make that. Only God can make that happen. Only God can send angels out of heaven. And then there are still some God-fearing Jews that are waiting in the temple. They're just awaiting there. They've been praying. A man named Simeon, it only gives us two. A man named Simeon who's a good man of God and he's just been praying for the consolation of Israel and he's waiting, no telling how long he's been there. And then a woman named Anna who has been, she's given her life to now to be in the temple. She's lost her husband and now she just goes to the temple and she has been praying and waiting. There are some who are watching and waiting for this event, but many of them don't realize that it's time. They don't realize that it's happening, but, but they, they are going to need something more. They're going to need a sign. I'm kind of like that in, in a way, so I don't want to get on to people too, too bad. Jesus said, this wicked generation, they always want a sign. I'm going to give you a sign, he said. As Jonah was in the uh, belly of the whale three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. There, there's a sign for you. Maybe that wasn't really what they were after, right? They were after some kind of a manifestation that the Lord would do so I can believe. But I've seen God heal people that walked away and never served him. I've seen God do miraculous things in life and they just turned their back and walked away and never came back again. That kind of a sign isn't going to do much good. But behold, I'm going to give you a sign that's going to be, it's going to betray the impossible. I'm going to give you a sign that according to human Reproduction cannot happen. It does not happen. It will not happen. That a virgin, a woman who has not been with a man, cannot have a child. It just can't happen. It's against nature. And I've read with people where they have said, (laughs) I'm going to doubt this. That they have said that, you know, sometimes uh, when, a, when a girl is born, that there's that capability of fertilization in their womb and even without a man. I, I'm going to kind of doubt really that that's what happened to them. 
But in this case, behold, a virgin shall conceive, not a handmaid, not a good girl. They've tried to break it down and make it lesser, and I understand, you know, from the Catholic Church view that she was a perpetual virgin. They're not reading the Scripture right, and, and we just read it. She, uh, Joseph did not know her. I don't need to expand on the word know, but he did not know her until after her firstborn, was, was, uh, firstborn son was born. And so if we do just some simple hypothesis, Brother Dustin, I always point to him. He did know her after that her son was born. She was not perpetual virgin. She was a virgin girl, clean, pure. There was no chance that she could have a child. It wasn't going to happen. God didn't design nature that way. God didn't design for a woman and a woman to be married. They cannot have a child. A man and a man to be married. They cannot have children. There is no family there. You can't perpetuate a family doing that stuff. There is only one solution to having children, and that is a man and a woman by God's design. That's what marriage is about. That's what God is about. That's what order is about. That's why you are sitting in this house this morning, because you had a mother and a father. Can everyone say Amen. Boy, I hate it when men get a hold of it, you know. The stuff we've got going on in this world is just crazy. It's just crazy. And, and trying, to, trying to redo what God has set down is so perfect what God has done. Why would we want to rearrange what God has called to order? But Mary herself, she knows. She knows. She knows this. She says, it's a simple fact of life. The angel says to her, and the salutation is like, you know, stop right there. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. It kind of reminds me of, of, of uh, at times God spoke to people that it just surprised them. You know, who am I that, that God would even care about me? And here she comes. She gets this salutation, great woman of God. And she's like, huh? I'm just, I'm just a servant. I'm, not, I'm nothing. I'm a house of David. Here I live in Nazareth. And this, this angel shows up and said, you are chosen of God. And that salutation is really, it really disturbed her. She couldn't understand that salutation at all. But then, then as it goes on, and the angel says, God has chosen you. In effect, God has chosen you to bear the Christ child. And then her question is, how can this be seen that I don't know a man and that I have not known a man? How is it possible that I could conceive in my womb and bear a child? That's a legitimate question. It's not like she's doubting. It's just like, wow, I don't see how this is possible. It is impossible. And that's why the Scripture uh, comes back, the angel comes back to say, with God, all things are possible. God can break the rules of nature. It's impossible to call somebody back to life, but the Lord did it. It's impossible to walk on water, but the Lord did it. It's impossible for God to rearrange the atoms of water and to make it into wine, but Jesus did it. 
There's a lot of things that are impossible that God can do. There is nothing. In fact, the way this spells out, there's nothing. There is not a word that I've said. If you look in the Greek text, it said, for it is, uh, for it not will be impossible with God, every word of it. If God said it, he can't just vaguely do it. He can do everything he said on time, just exactly the way he has designed it to be. And so with God, see, we've got an intangible in our lives. And I know that problems might be attacking you and questions and things and issues and troubles. But with God, all things are possible. You will go over. You will make it. According to God's design and purpose, is God's not willing that you should perish. God is not willing that you should fall and fail. And so by his word, you can make it. Let the church say, amen. Every word that he has spoken is true and right. Well, who will be the father then? Who will be the father? She doesn't understand. How can, how can this be? How can this turn out? Who will be the father? I always refer to John, the 8th chapter here, when the Jews ask Jesus, who are you? Who is your father? And he says this, I, I came out of within God, and I'm here. Now, you're not going to see that in your translation because they leave out the I'm here. But what it really uses is this word hecho. It's the reached end. It's the destination. It's the goal. I came out of from within God, and I have reached the goal and the purpose and the intent of God's design in the first place. That God would be birthed in the earth and that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us, not second God with us, not some part of God with us, not a Messiah with us, but God himself is with us. He knows what he came, he knows where he came from. And so who will the Father be? Well, it's it's the Holy Spirit of God. And last week we took this and broke this down a little bit because at the baptism. It uses three different phrases. It uses the Holy Spirit. It uses the Spirit of God. And it just says the Spirit. So what happens here is that the Spirit of God is going to make it possible in a womb and bring it to life. Now listen how it reads out. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the ability of the Most High will overshadow you. And through this, the Holy One being birthed out of you will be called the Son of God. The first phrase, the Spirit of God will come upon you. And, and again, if you're looking at the Greek, and then it says upon again, but this word, ep, erkomai. It means what comes and leaves its appropriate effects that builds upon that particular coming. It's not just the Holy Spirit's coming by. It's not that God's just going to touch you for a moment. But there is something that is going to be birthed inside of you. It will leave the appropriate effects upon you. And then 
you will be overshadowed. And I like this word. The word overshadowed here is a casting, a covering, a, sh- a covering shadow as though she was enveloped in a shadow. Hmm. Sounds like to me that heaven is about to open upon Mary. The closest we can come to this is going back to the the, the creation story in Genesis 1, and then we find that God moved upon the face of the deep. Remember that, that it was dark and deep, and there was no form, and it was void, but the Spirit of God moved on the face of the deep and the word move there is the spirit of God hovered it would be like this overshadowed thing and then I like this part because the, the, the Hebrew rendering is God said let there be light and I'm just wondering if possibly really what God said because God is light I'm really wondering it's not the creation of light but instead of let there be light is let there be light there And I wonder if this is what God is going to do in the womb of Mary, overshadowing and hovering over that face of the deep where there is, it is void in there. There is no form. And God is going to speak into that womb and say, let light be there. Something miraculous out of this world is going to happen. It'll never happen again. It happened one time, and that's why I stick with that rendering that says he is the only begotten son. He's not one of many begottens. He's not a project that that maybe was just the final project of many projects. No, he was the only. This thing is going to happen one time by the design of God, by the power of God, by the overshadowing of God, by God's power intervening into human life. It will happen one time and one time only. And what that is going to produce is the Son of God, the Holy one that only begotten son of the father I take issue when people try and change that that reference of the only begotten son to the unique son and some of y'all's Bibles will do that watch that real close the unique son well we're all unique right nobody is really like anybody else We have similarities, but each one of us are unique. And so Jesus was unique. No, he was the only begotten of the Father. It's a little bit different than being unique. And so now we come to this thing, and and I want to address this. I don't know if you've heard about it or not. The hypostatic union. How many have heard that term, hypostatic union? Man, we only have like four in this building. This is going to be great preaching right here. Let me read you the definition of what's called the hypostatic union. First of all, they take the word hypostasis from the Greek, vaguely meaning substance, subsistence. It really means support, hypo, under, stasis, standing. It's a support of, we find it in Hebrews 11 chapter, now faith is. And we find that word, hypostasis. It supports faith 
taking it here in what's been spelled out as theology. It's a technical term in Christian theology employed in the mainstream Christology to describe the union of Christ's humanity and divinity in one hypostasis or individual existence. That's pure heresy. Pure heresy. Now, beings, you have not heard of that hypostatic union. You can just call it heresy. That somehow, that the body of Christ and God somehow made him his own existent individual is a lie from hell. Christ never became an individual existence. He always, he always took on the identity of his father. And who his father was, he was. He was always identified with God. He never allowed them to separate him from God. So to say now that what's going to be born in the womb of Mary is something separate from God. A lot of people struggle about that. I've talked to people and said, Pastor, you know, I believe what you say. I believe what you've studied, and and I hear you out, and I like it. But there's just got to be two different people there. There's God in heaven, and then there's Jesus in the earth. and, And so there's two different people. He's a separate existence. I do not believe that he is a separate existence, but he is the embodiment of what you cannot see in heaven, what you will not see in heaven, what, what you will see demonstrated in the earth is the body of the one who is in heaven and you will see the body upon the earth. And so the union that's going to happen in the womb of Mary, is everybody still with me? Say amen. It's getting too warm in here. Let's turn the coolers on. I don't want anybody to go to sleep. It's a little deeper than, than Santa Claus and bringing presents. I know that. I know. So you have to think a little more. So, so we put on our thinking caps, you know, it's okay. But this, this hypostatic union that's going to happen isn't to bring an identity of a different one. But it's an identity of the same one. And, and I believe this, that what happened, and, and, and like I said, I could have preached this first and then the baptism next, but during the baptism of Jesus and the heaven was opened, in that moment of time, what happened in that moment of time was supernatural. It wasn't physical. It wasn't earthly. It wasn't a little earthly dove that came down. It wasn't an earthly voice, but it was God Almighty infusing His Spirit in ministry in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that exactly what happened in the womb of Mary, that at some point, I don't know when it was, the Scripture doesn't say when it was, but she was somewhat maybe praying and God overshadowed her and she was enveloped by the shadow of God and the heaven was open and God infused into her womb an impossibility by the spirit of God. She began to carry the seed of God in her womb. This thing is not natural. It is supernatural. This thing can't be explained by earthly values. This can only be explained by spiritual values. 
And the doctor said it couldn't happen. And Satan tried to stop it from happening. But my, nine months later, all creation will stand in line to watch the most implausible impossibility happen. The invisible, intangible, infinite, indescribable God of the ages was born into the earth and they called his name Jesus, Yeshua. He is God, Emmanuel, with us. I don't think we can go to the birthing story without the conception and the opening of heaven and what God did in the womb of a woman who came into the purpose of God simply by saying, be it unto me according to your will. <laughs> and I always say this, and I, I, I like, Mary have nothing you know, bad to say or anything. But there were other, there were other virgins in that town that he could have used. And Mary walk away from that thing and say, no, I, I don't believe that can happen. I, I don't take the word of the angel. Then she just cuts herself out of it. But God's plan is going to go ahead. Can you say amen? And there is going to be the one that says, be it unto me according to thy will. Now, what I want to say to you this morning is that you may not accept what I've said this morning. You may not accept Christ as your personal Savior. You may not feel like that it's for you. And you will just simply cut yourself out of the mix. And But the gospel will continue to go on because Jesus said, I will build me my church. And so to be part of that church, you're going to have to say in your life, be it unto me according to your will, Lord God, in my life. Can everybody say Amen. If you want God's will to be done in your life, it has to be an open vessel channel for God to use. Man, he can do miracles. There's, 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 no, there's no stopping his power. But we just cut ourselves out a lot of times through unbelief. Can you say amen? I want to close this morning uh, in the book of Hebrews, if you go there with me. And I've been doing this some. I, I just want to read something that is so powerful. It's one of favorite settings in my personal uh, favorite settings of the Scripture. Because I believe this one thing that God has called me to do, reveal Christ. It's what Paul's ministry was, reveal Christ to the ages. I'm not comparing myself with him, but I, I just believe that that so has to be alive in the church. And we could come here this morning and we could sing, Oh, come let us adore him and, and hark the herald angels sing and, and then pass out candy canes and just, you know, smile at everybody. And we'd have such a good time. But God didn't call me to that. No. I had to preach Christ. If you never get anything else, understand anything else about the revelation of Jesus Christ, try and get into this first chapter of the book of Hebrews. For here in this first chapter, 
the exaltation and revelation of Jesus Christ is, is amazing. And, and it stops down here where I'm going to stop with his birth. So if you have your Bibles, let's read together. In many ways, in many parts, and in many ways of old, God spoke to the prophets or in the prophets. Um, God spoke rather to the fathers in the prophets. In these last days, he spoke to us. Everybody, can you say us? That's we. In son. Now, if this is up here, I have a little issue right here. Uh, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. You need to take his out of there. And you need to take the out of there. Because the way God spoke to us was son. God spoke as son. And so here goes with the revelation of the son. Whom he appointed heir of all. Through whom, and this might be a catcher for some, but if you understand that, that here actually the word is because of. Because of whom he indeed made the ages. Who being in the shining splendor of his glory and the express image of his essence. Hupostasis. And upholding all things by the word of his power. Having made purification for our sins through himself sat down on right of the majesty on high having become so much better than the angels he has inherited a name far more excellent than they and now listen to this for to which of the angels did he ever say you are my son which of the angels? Gabriel came down and Michael's mentioned that God never speaks over them. You are my son. They were made. They were created back in the ages somewhere. I don't know when. They were before the time of earth. God created angels and, and some defected and some went wrong and bad spirits. And, and But God never said to any one of those angels, you are my son Today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And again, when he brought the firstborn into the world. This is so powerful. He said, God said, and let all the angels of God worship him. Punch somebody right now because this is the punchline. It's the punchline right here. God turned over worship to the sun. Wow. Well, I'm going to have to retract and go back a little bit because Isaiah 42.8 says, I am Yahweh. That is my name. And my glory will I not give to another, 
neither my praise. Uh-oh. Because God said when he was born, he'd come in that manger thing and, and all that happened and Mary and, you know, the animals and nativity scene and all that. You know, God's not seeing that kind of thing at all. What he's seeing is where the glory belongs, where the praise belongs, where the manifestation is. He's not looking at those exterior things and all those were little events that happened. Going to Bethlehem, the taxation and all of that stuff that went down. All that is just to bring everything to one point and to one purpose. Let all of the angels in heaven come down now and I'm commanding you to to change your worship now. You have cha- You have worshiped what you cannot see. You have worshiped what is invisible. There is no body to worship. There, there, there is no definition that you're worshiping under. But now you've got one in all the angels of heaven. I'm not only going to share my glory, I'm going to give my glory to what you see in the earth. This is the glory of God. This is the plan and purpose of God. Let all the angels worship him. Somebody said a while back, said, said, God the Father is mad because people are giving the worship to Jesus. Infidel, blasphemer, heretic. God designed that all worship go to Christ. God designed it. And so into the ages... The worship now is not a God in heaven who you can't see, but it's this body that is in heaven that sat down in the place of majesty that was birthed in the earth. This is the story of Christ's birth, is that he was birthed in the earth only to expand into glory, to be seated in magnificence and majesty. He is supreme above all. His name is above every name. His power is all power given in heaven and earth. He belongs at the top of everything. He is the Lord of glory. He is the great I am. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You don't need to go anywhere else. His name shall be called Jesus. He's the Savior of the world. He is the Redeemer of mankind. By his plan and his purpose, he has designed and put it all together. I like that. He is all of God's glory. God said, I won't share my glory. I won't give my glory. I won't give my praise to another because he's not another. He is almighty God. He is wonderful and counselor and the prince of peace, the almighty, the everlasting father. And we worship him this morning. I just, again, when you come in to worship the Lord, we know who he is. We've got his name. We've got his birth tracked out. We've got his conception tracked out in the womb of Mary. And our trust is in the name of the Lord. Can you say amen? Would you stand with me? God bless you. God bless you this morning.